0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode in our Employee Engagement Series. Today on the Mindshift podcast, Ali and I are going to discuss what does employee well-being really mean? What is the essence of it?
1: That's right, Michael. And as we know, employee well-being is at the forefront now of every organization. And if it isn't, then it really should be. Because the impact of the pandemic has really brought to life the importance of not just employees' mental health, but that real sense of work-life balance at the heart of employee well-being.
0: And the reality is, though, Ali, that employee well-being has been around for quite a really long time. But it's really only been probably the last five years that it's really started getting traction in the business world. I mean, as you know, things like employee assistance programs have been one of the key benefits that organizations tend to be offering their employees, you know, where an employee can call a confidential number and get help for anything from legal advice to medical advice. But it isn't just about that anymore, is it? I mean, employee well-being really does mean looking at everything you as an employer can offer to maintain the physical, mental and emotional health of your people.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I would say that although it's moving up the agenda, it's still sitting very much in the realms of HR departments. Mm. But last year, the government's health and safety watchdog said that more than 800,000 people experienced stress, anxiety or depression in 2021 in the UK. Now, we absolutely know that coronavirus has been a major contributor, but there are many other causes such as high workloads, lack of support, funding pressures and just the real pace of change that are having a massive impact on employee well-being. And to me, this just reinforces concerns around the scale of this issue and that everybody from the CEO downwards needs to understand the importance of wellbeing.
0: Yeah, I mean, and not just CEO, pretty much from top, the very much exec leadership up downwards. And mm-hmm. actually, it isn't uh, just a HR issue, but a business imperative objective to be achieved. I mean, that for me is why the essence of employee well-being should sit within the whole sphere of the employee life cycle, which really brings us right back to that sense of purpose over profits when we first started discussing employee engagement in this series.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the scope of well-being has quite rightly needed to evolve. And I was reading an article that you and I were discussing the other day where Matt Elliott, who's the chief people officer at Bank of Ireland, recently said that in that bank, when they focus on well being now, they focus it on four W's. And we really like these, didn't we? Because we did, they yeah. were well-being, workspace, workload, and working day. And what he goes on to say is that this provides them with a the lens through which the view they view that day-to-day experience for everybody working in the bank.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we we discussed it, and like I said, I really like those four Ws because they're probably at the essence of what constitutes an employee's engagement in their work, but also that emotional, mental, and physical health. I mean, if we take workspace as an example, and and many of our listeners will probably relate to this, how many times have you been in that position where you walk into your desk at the office, you set yourself up to work, but someone's uh, moved your chair, your laptop starts to keep crashing, The office is too noisy. You can't get any work done. And of course, this then becomes even more frustrating when you've got a packed day of meetings and people keep interrupting you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And those frustrations that you mentioned are so real for a lot of our people. But what I would say is, is that it's really tough out there to be a line manager right now. That middle layer of management, they're dealing with all the day-to-day operational pressures and obviously the pace of change, but also the increased care that is now needed to support their teams and individuals. And I really think that as organisations, we really need to spend our time and efforts helping them and supporting them to care for those managers so that they feel capable and
0: have that capacity that they need for this new, expanded role. Okay, look, I, I get that, Ali, but surely, and again, a bit controversial <laughs> here, but a good manager would already have been aware of the importance of watching out for the signs of stress or pressure in their teams or their people. I mean, isn't that what does make a great manager? I, I, I don't disagree what you're saying, but I do think that what might be happening is organisations are perhaps starting to realise that maybe, just maybe, they may not have the right managers in place who can support employee well-being because it's just not in their skill set.
1: Yeah, and I would say that I would agree with what you're saying there. But I would also say that I do think that issues surrounding well-being and mental health, anxiety and depression are arguably becoming much more complex.
0: And in fact, Ali, you know, those things you've mentioned are very much focused on the mental health of our employees, but we do need to consider all other facets as well. And the foundations for employee well-being need to be put in place. So if an organization wants to ensure that their well-being agenda is strong, well, they need to ensure that things like workload, workspace, working day are carefully and strategically, and that's the key word, strategically planned and monitored... Because you've got to make sure you're monitoring that it works so then the employee well-being really does stay within that healthy zone, as one would say.
1: Yeah, agreed. And once more, I really think this, without really sort of like laboring our point, but this does come back to culture, purpose, and those are all important values and behaviours. I think now boards need to be challenging themselves and checking that those visions and missions and values all need to be ensuring that the need to take care and look after their people is intrinsic and woven into the fabric of everything that they've said and everything that they do. I agree, yeah. And that means if we want to create a truly inclusive culture... All our leaders need to really model what good looks like in every day-to-day interaction.
0: Yeah, but for those same day-to-day interactions to be effective, shouldn't those same leaders ensure that employees can have open and honest conversations with their managers, including speaking their mind, without a fear of reprisal? Because surely, openness and honesty, as we know, and the research has shown this you know, has a direct correlation to a person's physical, mental and emotional well-being and therefore how they engage in their work.
1: Yeah, and you're right. The stats do absolutely support what you've just said. And interestingly enough, in the Glintz Employee Wellbeing Report of May 2021, they identified that the top drivers of a great work culture changed drastically by the end of 2020 whereby five of the top drivers now in at 2020 were not even in the top 10 in 2019. And two of these, which really support everything we've been saying, is wellbeing and belonging.
0: Well, you know what, that's really interesting on the belonging because, as you know, Ali... That kind of supports that conversation that you and I had in our previous podcast on the dangers of remote working and that one of the potential barriers is that lack of connectivity and belongingness that people need and crave.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And we can't separate the importance of a sense of belonging from our physical and mental health. Those social ties are a real protective factor that help us to manage that potential stress and therefore help us to become much more resilient.
0: And as you know, when we speak about resilience and stress, the Centre for Mental Health published an article that said stress-related sickness absence in the UK cost us as an economy over £34 billion last year alone
1: a very big number and that statistic really goes to show that if organizations make employee well-being a strategic imperative as you mentioned earlier then they can massively reduce the financial impact it has on their own profit margins which very nicely links us right back to purpose over profits where we first began
0: and that, alley is probably a really good place for us to stop, as it's all we have time for today. <laughs> However, we would be keen to continue exploring these topics. So if you would like to join us on one of our podcasts and share your views, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email at hello at themindshift-group.com and we'll get back to you as well.
1: Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ali
0: Needs. And I am Michael Pagnotta, and you are listening to the Mind Shift podcast. Until next time, remember stay positive, good luck, and thanks again for listening.